We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America Podcast, presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our National College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Trochi, and keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That would be very helpful for us. Week 10 is in the books, and it was among the best of the season, although, as you just pointed out before the show, the top 10 basically remained the same, even though there were a lot of exciting games here and there. It was a good week, a bunch of good games. Uh, You seem to be more, like, excited. I mean, I was excited, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it's it's like, like a always kind of joke it's like taking the test but you still know the answers at the end um <laughs> alabama was a great game but there was never a point where i was like oh lsu's gonna win um georgia missouri was fun i probably watched that one really among the middle window the closest and missouri put up a fight but georgia still won the game and uh you know as we get into this last couple of weeks with 11 teams that have one loss or less um you know impressed with washington we'll get into that but it really is a game of don't blink now with those teams. And, um, but yeah, like I said, the, the top 10 for, for all the terms of the weekend, the top 10 on tomorrow night is probably going to look maybe exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll kick it off with a little Trochi trivia and then we'll get into, uh, some of the races around the, around the country as we get into week 11. Can you name, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Can you name the three teams in the current AP Top 25 with three losses? Can you name the three teams in the current Top 25 with three losses? So we'll revisit that one at the end of the show. Um, I think two are obvious. One uh, might be a little bit of a surprise. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's start with Alabama. That seems to be, you know, the narrative. They're back in the hunt. They're back in the college football playoff. They beat LSU 42-28 Saturday night. Really good game by Jalen Milrow against, you know, a questionable LSU defense, obviously. Jaden Daniels played great, again, with his legs and his arm. Ended up getting hurt, uh, sacked by Dallas Turner at the end of the game. But, you know, I'm going to push back a little bit saying, you know, oh, you can never give up on Alabama. You weren't right. You know, you can never count them out. It was right to count them out early. And I will say when they lost to Texas by 10 points at home, it dented the invincibility of, of Alabama. And then they benched Jalen Milrow the next game. And they only scored basically 10 points for the first 59 minutes against South Florida. They only they beat them 17-3. to They got a touchdown with 33 seconds left in that game. They looked terrible. The South Florida defense has given up at least 56 points three times this season since that game to UAB, Florida Atlantic, and Memphis. So they look terrible. Now they're looking good. What has changed with this Alabama team? I think it was right to say they were in trouble back in September. Oh, I never bury them, though. I never have. I've, I've read the burying the dynasty columns over the years, and here we are, and it's not it's not like the same state as New England. I think they've found ways to run the ball. I think Jalen Milrow has settled in as the starter, and they know what they have. They're not trying to – they'd look like the Jalen Hurts team that ha, that reached the college football playoff championship game and lost to Clemson. That's what they look like right now. And Jalen Hurts was not the Jalen Hurts that he is with the Eagles when he was a freshman in Alabama. So, uh, yeah, they play good defense. They're still good at home. Maybe the invincibility factor in the SEC is still there because Ole Miss was a really good team that went in there and lost by two touchdowns. Tennessee is a pretty good team, lost by two touchdowns. LSU is a pretty good team, lost by two touchdowns. And the the difference on Saturday was they learned from the fourth quarter meltdown against Texas. LSU was the one that had the fourth quarter meltdown. And I, I just think they're Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama – can all grind it out. None of them have first round quarterbacks, but they have enough talent around those guys that you know, went in 28 to four. Well, they scored 42, went in 42 to 28, just fine in, in Alabama. So, yeah. And I, and I, yeah, like I can go on the record and say, I'd never bury them until they have two losses. And sometimes I don't bury them then because it's Alabama. <laughs> and we've been doing this since 2007. They're not going anywhere. Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship. What's your spread today? Oof. Um, that's a good question. It would probably be 
around six and a half for Georgia. I would say they would probably give them that tease the touchdown on it. And Georgia's the same deal. I mean, somebody got after me on social media. I said impressive win. It was like, and they were like, I wasn't that impressive. I mean, they still beat Missouri by, there was never a point in that game where I thought Missouri was going to win. And uh, Missouri was up at halftime, weren't they? It was tied. Tied. Tied at half and they took a lead in the third quarter. But I was still, I mean, it's just, maybe that's the way I condition do. I just never thought, hey, Mizzou's going to win this game. They didn't, it's still Georgia. So I would say six and a half. And I'm interested to see what they do with Ole Miss this weekend. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't really run the ball well in the first half. That's why Missouri was able to hang in that game. They only had 50 yards rushing at halftime. But they wear on you, just like Alabama wears on you. And I think we're headed towards, like I said, when you get to the the end of the test, that same old answers there with those two, unless Ole Miss can shake it up this weekend. I mean, you wrote and wrote about at the end of last year that the Georgia-Alabama rivalry is not going anywhere, and we are a few weeks away from seeing them lock up again in Atlanta for the SEC championship. So, yeah, the more twists and turns we have, uh, at the end of the day, we still may have Georgia and Alabama back for another Hopefully really good SEC championship game. And this one could have some serious stakes to it because, you know, the loser might not be locked into the to the playoff, especially Alabama. So um, let's move on to the West Coast, the game that was going on simultaneously with LSU and Alabama. Washington and USC, a terrific game. Everything we had hoped for. It was, you know, 42-42 at the end of the third quarter. And... Uh, you know, Michael Penix ended up with 256 yards passing, three touchdowns accounted for. Caleb Williams, 312 yards, three touch or four touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. Uh, Washington's uh, running back Dylan Johnson, 256 yards, four touchdowns. He was the star of the game. The stat that astounded everybody that was going around after the game from ESPN Stats Inc. He had 199 yards on the ground before contact, which uh, doesn't say much for the USC defense. Anyway, but the the biggest thing in that game, and it, it summed up all of USC's problems and everything like that, is uh, USC was finally forced to punt down 45-42, about seven minutes to go. They had like a fourth and 25 after a big sack on Caleb. They, <clears throat> excuse me, they pinned. USC at the nine yard line. I mean, they pin Washington back at their own nine yard line and the defense needs to get them one stop to get the ball back and give Caleb a chance. First play 53 yard run by Dylan Johnson. And it was just another failure by that defense. And uh, as we found out the next day, Alex Grinch was removed as defensive coordinator. So what, what were your thoughts on that game? And just, you know, um, well, were you surprised that they let him go with a couple games left to go in the season? Uh, maybe a little because that's one that could have waited till the end. Um, but it's the same old story with USC. I mean, since the Colorado game, 41 points, Arizona, 41 points, uh, Notre Dame, 48, Utah, 34, 49, Cal, 42, Washington. That's not good 52 Washington 52 Washington I'm sorry I was looking at the 42 they scored I mean that's not Lincoln Riley has been was able to get away with that on some level in the big 12 when he was at Oklahoma you could play a 52 you we you and I do this all the time you could play a 52 42 bedlam game and oh that game was great but 
you still need to get a stop at some point. And that's like you just said, that was it. Like they haven't been able to do that. I mean, I go back to the Tulane game last year where they blew a 16 point lead in the fourth quarter and people say, well, that game was meaningless. Well, it's what we've been watching for a full year. So um, interesting that they did it with two games left. Uh, Oregon this week, especially because that's not, that's another 40 points you're going to give up and UCLA will be ready for them as well. It's so I thought Caleb Williams and that offense played well, but I'm actually, I think the story of this game should be Washington, that they were able to get through this test. I thought USC might be able to pull an upset here and it looked that way for maybe a half, but Washington being able to find multiple ways to win heading into a matchup against Utah still number five. And that's bad news for other teams that are one loss teams that are trying to find that little wiggle room to get the PAC 12 out of the playoff that this really improved the conference's chances. Yeah. Penix was just great to watch. He had just one scramble touchdown in the first half uh, scrambling to his left, just looking, looking, looking and uh, you know, 90% of quarterbacks are going to throw it out of bounds or go out of bounds himself. He was right along the left sideline. I don't know if you remember the play, Mm-hmm. And then he found like his third option just at the last second, whipped it in for a touchdown. And it was just so much poise under pressure. And it was just, like I said, all we were hoping for. We wanted to see these two quarterbacks play great. They did play great. And, you know, now USC is is totally out of the hunt. Um, there was one clip my friend sent me during the game, and it was a USC defensive huddle during a, during a timeout. And Grinch is talking to him and like, the players are just kind of looking around. They're not really paying attention to him. And then he's like, all right, bring it in. And he puts his his hand up for a little huddle. Not one player brought it. <laughs> they just walked back out onto the field. So I don't know if, he, you know, internally, this is all guessing on a three-second video clip, which isn't very fair, but it doesn't look like they were buying into Alex Grinch anymore. And that might have been part of the decision as well. Yeah, and maybe – Maybe they come out a little more fired up against Oregon. We'll see. But it just has been a long-term ill for the team. And, and again, you can't win championships at that. And you can you can have the offense and the flashy offense and score a bunch of points. But that's just – I mean, I have to go back and look through it. I mean, I don't know how many teams in the FBS have given up that many points in a six-week stretch. And it's just 199 yards before contact for a running back? Like – yeah, that's pretty bad. I don't know. That's there's good offense and then there's bad defense. That would be as impressive as Washington was. I mean, they're they're helping them out a little bit there. No question about it. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. All right, well, let's move on to the Big 12. 
uh, Texas and OU. Uh, Texas almost lost. Oklahoma did lose. And right now we have seven teams in the Big 12 within a game of first place heading into week 11. Brett Yormark, if he, if he was scripting this, I think that's what he would want. Uh, except I don't think you would want Texas and Oklahoma in the hunt. But um, should we consider Oklahoma State to be a threat to win the title? Sure. I mean, this is what Brett Yormock does want, and that's what they're going to get in with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. They're going to get a league that has a lot of parity, that honestly, entertaining in some ways. I was talking about having the answer to the test. I, I don't know what the answer to this one is. It's probably going to say, first question, will they have a playoff team? No. Because if Texas loses one of these last couple games, the conference will be out of the playoff. But it doesn't shortchange what this race is. I think Oklahoma State, if they didn't lose to South Alabama, would have to be considered a top 10 team. The way they're playing right now with Ollie Gordon and how he's running the ball and um, being able to win Bedlam the way that they did. And yet through all that, Bill, they're a two-point favorite against UCF. That's good. It's it, in some ways that's good rather than, oh, Alabama and Georgia are going to win. And oh, it's going to be Ohio State and Michigan, you know, th- those kind of things. Uh, Ohio State or Michigan versus something out of the Big Ten West. <laughs> so I, I think it's great for this conference. It's entertaining. And I think it'll continue in the 12 team playoff era with the carrot that that one of those teams will go to the playoff maybe too so i i think what they're creating is good alternative programming to the two conferences and that works for brett and i think it'll continue that way you think ollie gordon should be like maybe top five top eight heisman guy at this point yeah. yes he's shot into the all-american conversation he's carried this team it's you know when the standard at that school is barry sanders in the year he had in 1988 and you know, that he'll never reach that. But I think what he's done is definitely ignite an offense, a team, Mike Gundy. And yeah, I mean, he would probably be top five on my list behind Penix and Marvin Harrison and JJ McCarthy and Bo Nix. And I mean, I think you have to have Ollie Gordon probably next. You said there are two point favorite against UCF. That's what Bet MGM said. So that's a it. Crappy spread for sure. So, um, wow. yeah, it's uh, U- UCF's 0-5 against established Big 12 teams so far. And terrible against the run. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely – That's a weird spread. That's, that's one that when it catches your attention and we do those picks early in the week, I'm like, why is that like that? You do the smart thing and you take Oklahoma State, but it will be a little bit of an emotional letdown. But I think if they win out – It'd be a really interesting Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I think they're going to, too. They have UCF, Houston, and BYU, right? Those three are a combined 3-12 and against established Big 12 teams this year. So you'd get Texas, Oklahoma State. That's a fun Big 12 championship game. Yeah, it is. Oklahoma State kind of being the one that was like, hey, you left us, and Texas being the, uh, you know, bellwether, the – prom king we use all those analogies that i i would sign up for that big 12 championship game today i think it'd be a lot of fun it would and so now it's two weeks in a row that the team beats oklahoma and then takes the goalposts and dumps them in a pond so no, they're still nursing the hangovers in Stillwater right now there's no doubt did you see that the that the few students recovered the goalposts at like uh 11 o'clock at midnight or something like that they went diving into the pond 
and, and it had sunk when they dumped <laughs> it in there in the afternoon. And then I saw a video of it. They, 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 a few students got it out and uh, they, they took it back to the part. They're going to cut up pieces and, and give them to friends and family and stuff like that. So that was that was tremendous, uh, tremendous effort by a few Oklahoma State students late on Saturday night to, to go recover the piece of history. So that's it. No more Oklahoma, Oklahoma State for the foreseeable future. And they have bragging rights. So they're all over that. Let's move over to the Big Ten. Uh, Ohio State struggles with Rutgers for a little while. Michigan, no problem on the field. Off the field, it's still getting a little shaky. Anyway, Oklahoma, I mean, sorry, Ohio State wins 35 16 over Rutgers, but it was losing 9 7 at halftime. Early in the fourth quarter, it was 21 16, and then Marvin Harrison scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. To kind of put the game away, do the Buckeyes lose their number one ranking this week, tomorrow night? It will be tight. It, they might. So be prepared for that. If not this week, it'll be next week if Georgia beats Ole Miss. Um, yeah, it was ugly in the first half, but they have a defense they can trust. It, you know, I knew it was, there was no problem when 7-3, to three, Rutgers has the ball inside the five, can't score a touchdown, 7-6. to six. Rutgers gets the ball back. Gets the ball in the red zone again. Can't punch in a touchdown. And when you're trying to pull an upset as an 18-point underdog, you need to cash those in. So at that point at half, like, and I was at a lacrosse tournament with Grant and a bunch of the dads are Ohio State fans. Their kids are crowding around the phones. And I just kept telling them, what, why would you be worried? Like, why would you possibly be worried right now? Like, they are going to win by their guys. I was telling people, they'll still cover. And they did by half a point. So it's, <laughs> it's one of those, I, you have to, their defense is really, really good right now. Their defense has better numbers than their 2002 national championship defense. Opinions vary on Kyle McCord, but he, as long as you throw to Marvin Harrison and get the job done, Travion Henderson adds a physical part to the running game that they haven't had in recent weeks. They probably haven't had since Notre Dame and they play Michigan state and Minnesota at home this week. And Michigan State in primetime, oddly scheduled NBC Peacock primetime game. But to answer your question, I could see Georgia being pushed to number one. And I, again, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'd say, okay, that's fine. And then probably Ohio State too, maybe Michigan too. I don't know. They're, they're still, it's the same thing we said last week, Bill. Like Georgia has best body of work coming. They haven't, they've won two national titles and won 26 games in a row. High State has the best resume. Michigan has the best game control. So, I mean, any one of those answers is fine. So you're saying Ohio State's defense better than USC's? Uh, just by a little bit, I hope. Um, <laughs> Jim Jim Knowles' difference there, and they they are they are very good. And I think I'm going to dig into those numbers a little more this week for us. I think, but yeah, and then that Big Ten East tiebreakers at work still. And to update that for people, like. So we explain that if Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all finish 11-1 and one and beat each other, their tiebreaker would come down to the combined conference record winning percentage of their Big Ten West opponents, which is up there for dumbest tiebreaker of all time. But as it stands, Penn State's Big Ten West opponents are 8-10. and 10. Michigan and Ohio State's are a 7-11. and 11. So it's close, but so you got to like, just not only watch your game, you have to watch the ugly Northwestern Iowa game at Wrigley field. You have to watch the Wisconsin, uh, whoever they, they lost this weekend to Indiana. Yes. 
you have to watch bad Big Ten football and hope that you don't get in that three-way tiebreaker because it could get weird. Side note, saw a stat since 2021. Teams with 180 or less total yards of offense in a game are 4 and 49. Iowa has won all four of those games. Those all four of those victories are Iowa victories. Did you so. see the sickos thing on Twitter? No. With the the silent film of Northwestern and Iowa. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Your list. Check it out. You, all you do is silent film Northwestern Iowa, and uh, on Twitter, it is incredible entertainment for two minutes. So uh, it's ugly as it looks, but Iowa are they ranked? Did they get? They didn't get in the AP top twenty-five, but they're they close. Did they did not. So. Uh, we are recording this Monday morning. Let's talk a little Michigan. On the field, no problem with Purdue. 41-13. They were up 17-0 in the first quarter. Purdue scored its only touchdown with 18 seconds left in the game. Biggest excitement was the post-game handshake. Ryan Walters with the blow-by. Jim Harbaugh had some public comments during the week about scouting and how he was offended by it and thought it was a big advantage and put his name on it. Like you said, wasn't anonymous quotes. You respected that. And there was no love lost. There was a message with the handshake at Harbaugh. They both tried to play it off in the press conference, but uh, there was definitely a little message sent there. And then we don't know what to expect this week. Like I said, it's Monday morning. We may hear Harbaugh suspended by the time this is published. Who knows? Uh, What are your thoughts First on the field and then off the field. On the field, Michigan is fine. There is one crack with them, though, that it, it could be exposed this week. The last three weeks, they've averaged less than four yards per carry against Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. It is clear that teams are going to load the box. And now it hasn't infected them in the red zone. They had five rushing touchdowns against Purdue. But Penn State's going to load the box and make J.J. McCarthy beat them. That's what teams are doing all year and against Purdue that wasn't going to matter they got off to a 17 point lead Michigan's fine on the field I think they're going to have to play well and execute against Penn State off the field okay let's start with the handshake just just shake his hand two seconds good game you walk away you don't have to like the person you go away respected like I said everything Ryan Walter said on the record last week you get kind of like a minus half point for not just that that became a story then why do that? Just stop, shake hands. You don't have to talk forever. You don't have to hug them. Go. Now, Jim Harbaugh can't say anything about that. For those of us who remember him giving Jim Swartz a flyby in a Lions 49ers game years ago. There's an entertaining YouTube video for people that haven't seen that one. So and he and Pete Carroll had a little. Uh, they had a couple good ones. USC but Stanford, yeah. But they stopped. And now that's equal parts what people are going to be talking about this week there's a top 10 game of Penn State that's going to be phenomenal and people are worried about how James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh if Jim Harbaugh's out there are going to shake hands like you said we're recording Monday there are some thoughts and some speculation that the Big Ten could hand down a punishment for Jim Harbaugh this week there's also a lot of reports that Michigan is ready to dig in and fight that so could be a very entertaining week off the field for Michigan. They did fire Connor Stallions. And it seems like, Bill, that the, the math here is that they're going to try to pin everything on him. And Jim didn't know, so you can't suspend him. And while we've seen videos and some things that suggest otherwise, it hasn't been proven. 
Yeah, I mean, the coaches last week complained to Tony Petiti. I guess the athletic directors the next day were more vocal in pushing for it. So he's got 13 schools on one side of the fence and one school on the other side of the fence. Met with Michigan president on Friday in Ann Arbor. So it seems like he's he's made the rounds. He can't say he made a decision without talking to all parties involved, coaches, ADs, and the Michigan president. So we'll see where that goes. I think I think what we talked about last week it remains the most viable and cleanest short-term solution, and that is to suspend Jim Harbaugh for two games. That is a minor punishment. It's it's not considered a major punishment. There is a difference within the Big Ten. Now, if Michigan fights that, which they might, you're going to have a very entertaining week of headlines at Sporting News and other places. But I thought I've thought all along. That is the cleanest short-term penalty. Penn State can't coach. Maryland, you can't coach. You come back for Ohio State. Fine. You know, TV ratings up that. So um, Harbaugh's return. And <laughs> I, I thought that was the best play all along. And we'll see if that's the play they try to run, if Michigan tries to block it. But, uh, you know, if you're reading on both sides of that fence, so, so to speak, um, that's where I kind of think this one's headed. Ohio State at Michigan. I'll ask you the same question I asked you about Georgia, Alabama. What's your spread with Harbaugh? What's your spread without Harbaugh? How how much does he affect the game? Maybe by a point. I think it would alter what I think. Now, one thing we do need to look up at Sporting News, and we shouldn't say it out loud, is when's the last time Ohio State's been a regular season underdog? It's been a long time since they've been an underdog in a regular season game. Um, I'll go Michigan four and a half to five and a half with, and maybe they cut it down to three and a half without. This will be the first time in a very long time that Michigan is favored against Ohio State, uh, regardless of what happens at Penn State this weekend. Barring a total collapse for the next two weeks, uh, I like the Wolverines. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's been years, right, since Ohio State's been a dog. I think I, – I, just. I mean, I assume they were a dog against Georgia in the playoff last year. Top of my head, it would have to be – no, Michigan – Ohio State as a dog to Michigan, top of my head, would probably be like in that 2005 range and because they, they did beat Michigan at Ohio – or at Michigan in 2000 four or five those would be two that jump out uh, 2004 and then Ohio State last regular season dog there might be it there I'm gonna look this up when we get off the phone or the, the zoom the stream yard <laughs> um because I'm genuinely curious it's been a while I, I feel like Urban Meyer was a dog in a game and made a big deal out of it against a big 10 opponent um so that's probably the answer gotcha yeah. All right. Well, we'll have that. Speaking of answers, are you ready for the Trochi trivia answer? Question is, there's three teams in the current AP top 25 with three losses. Can you name them? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have the, I have a spreadsheet, Bill, that says these teams have two losses or less. So I put three teams on that list Saturday night, late, while I was forming our top 25. And I, I think they're all ranked. Uh, I'm going to say Notre Dame. Correct. LSU. Correct. And the Arizona Wildcats. Well done. Yes. Yeah, so those were the three teams I had in our top 25. And 
I sort out teams by because I I've so on the spreadsheet, and this is probably some level of sick. Um, I have every team with two loss or less, power five, group of five, and, and it's the way I can sort out. Okay, these teams actually have a chance, a however fleeting chance to get into the playoff, and then I, I put a couple three loss teams on there from the weekend and. All three of those teams deserve to be ranked. And Arizona right now is the most fun of the three. You know, three straight wins. And they've got Colorado and Coach Prime this week at Colorado with the Buffaloes looking to get bull eligible. So I think Noah Fafita is awesome. I think Arizona fans should be excited. Jed Fish has done a good job. Yeah, that was the point of the question. I want to talk a little Arizona. You touched on all the all the topics. Uh, they have played five teams in a row who were ranked at the time of the game. And they <laughs> they lost to Washington only by seven. They lost to USC only by two. And then they pounded Washington State, who was 19 at the time. They beat Oregon State, who was 11 at the time. And they beat UCLA, who was 19 at the time. Uh, that's a heck of a stretch. They still have Utah left. Utah's hanging around the top 25. Like you said, uh, Coach Prime. And then they closed at Arizona State. They're going to want to pound Arizona State. Jed Fish, National Coach of the Year, candidate for sure. Yeah, he'll be in that mix. And just uh, another note, I will not write about Arizona this week, so you can – the Bender curse is real. You know, <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, it was Brock Air Bowers. Force. Oh. Brock, Brock Bowers, Caleb Williams, uh, Air Force, unfortunately, because I had Ooh. a great conversation with Troy Calhoun last week, and then they get beat by Army. Uh so if I write a lengthy feature about your school, you may be in trouble. So uh, um, I don't think I have. I just think I have Penn State and Ohio or Michigan on the radar this week. So they both can't lose that game. That's right. Well, maybe they both can, depending on what happens off the field with Michigan. We'll see. Yep. Yep. We'll see. So stay tuned for that at SportingNews.com. We should have all the latest news on Michigan and what happens with, with Jim Harbaugh and any, any punishments coming down from the league. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. We'll be back Tuesday night after the latest ranking show and then later in the week to preview a loaded week 11. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you soon.